if you'd have told me years ago that Jason or Sean would come up to me and say, what song are we going to sing? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I, would, I would have said none of them. None, none of them. Amen. Follow Jesus. Amen. Follow Jesus. Amen. All right, let's take our Bibles. We're going to turn back to Genesis chapter number 1. Genesis chapter number 1. <clears throat> I always, I've said this before, I want you to know that it is never, uh, surely now more than ever, when I was less ignorant than I am now, when I was just starting out like preaching in a ministry, you know, I only did what I, what I knew. I only did what, uh, what I saw. That's it. I, um, I was trying to find God's will. And along the way, I, I have uh, come under this conviction that it is, it is not God's will that ever the pulpit or the ministry of the pulpit should be as, as a form of some form of entertainment. It, it, is, it is the place, it is the time where truth is proclaimed. It, it's, it's the time where... Um, thus saith the Lord, is proclaimed. It's certainly not a time that we are seeking to be entertained. I am not an entertainer at all. My personality is completely opposite of that, for one. I could never entertain you, and nor do I ever want to. I want our pulpit at our church to be a place where truth is proclaimed, that we are, uh, we're sanctified by it. That it is a, a, biblical, a biblical response to the world that we live in. It's a place that we open our ears to the truth. That, that you and I could sit back and we can say that today we heard the word of the Lord. And sometimes, sometimes that'll bring us joy. Sometimes that'll prick our hearts. Sometimes that'll bring us assurance. And sometimes it'll cast our soul into anxiety. Sometimes we'll be so happy what we hear. And sometimes it'll bring grief to our soul. We are here to respond accordingly to Scripture. Amen? And this isn't, Scripture's not an ornament. It's, it's, not to be, it's not to be for our, uh, to, to satisfy our senses. It is to be a proclamation of the Word of God. Amen? And so this morning I'd like to continue what we started a couple weeks ago when we started in the book of Genesis about how that God created the heaven and the earth. That God spoke life into existence. And it, needs to be, it needed to be said once more behind our pulpit. But it is our worldview. It's our Christian biblical conviction that God created the heaven and the earth. Amen? That God spoke life into existence. That God decreed it. God said it. And thus, it was created. And we discussed and we preached and we praised God for it. And I want you to know I'm gonna, I want to add something about preaching. Preaching reaches its pinnacle when it turns 
into praise. Praise be the Lord for His creative work. Amen? And Paul was writing, if you're familiar, and I pray you are, read your Bible. Amen? God help us to read our Bibles. And Paul is writing the book of Romans. And if, you, if you've considered it as a whole, as you should, remember the first two and a half chapters, we've, we've discovered that all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. The heathen has no excuse. The religious man has no excuse. The good moral man has no excuse. Therefore, Scripture concludes that all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. And then the third chapter, this amazing truth. Therefore, justification is by faith in Jesus Christ, that God is just and the justifier of those that believe in Jesus. Amen? And chapter 4 goes on, it teaches us that we are justified by faith, even as our father Abraham was, who staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving God the glory. And how in chapter 5 we have hope, amen? He is our hope, he is, we have life, we have truth, through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And we get all the way through chapters 9, 10, and 11. At the end of chapter number 11, Paul the Apostle says, to whom be the glory, the power, and the majesty forevermore. Amen? That is the intent of the Word of God. Amen? So, as we've preached about God's creation, there is, there is something I believe... I'm thankful God's leadership, something still left remaining that we address. And the verse number one, chapter one, between verse number two, there, there is a theory that's been produced through the years. And this theory has been very destructive in the minds of people, and it has discredited the truth of God's creation in many people's minds. It has spiraled, I believe, generations into atheism, ag being they're agnostic, they don't know, they're unsure. And it's important that from our pulpit and from our church, in your ears, and especially the minds of our youth, that they hear the truth of God's Word. Amen? So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Amen? And verse number 2, And the earth was without form, and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you, we praise you, and thank you. And Lord, we acknowledge that you created the heaven and the earth, all the life that is in it, all the water, all the dirt, everything that moves and breathes and and, and functions, and how wonderful it is, how it screams of your majesty, it speaks of your existence. And Lord, because you, the invisible God, are clearly seen by your visible creation, and Lord, we love you and praise you and thank you so much. In your name, Jesus, Lord, we ask these things. Amen. You've probably heard this said before that, yes, I believe that God created the heaven and the earth, but... The six days in the book of Genesis chapter 1 aren't literal days. And these, therefore, since it's not literal days, the theory is that it accounts for all types of millions, billions, and trillions of years. The, the, the theory is called an old earth theory. Um, the old earth theory 
fits between verses 1 and 2, which is unbiblical, and I want to make that very clear. It's to make room to allow for the, for the, the narrative that you've heard that, that the earth took trillions, billions, and millions of years to form and to therefore bring forth life. Even some Christians have adopted the old earth theory. The thought is, is that it gets them off the hook, that they don't have to account for anything. It saves them the embarrassment of having to hold to this, this, this orthodox, biblical, concrete truth that God made the heaven and the earth in literal six days. Because the whole world, the world, its ideas, its fashions, its, its culture is against... Scripture, And again, if you take away God out of the creation, you take away God out of the universe. And if God isn't in the universe, then the universe can do as it pleases, can't it? And if you, if you can't believe Genesis 1-1, then again, how can we truly trust John 3-16? Which one is the one that we should believe? If, if, if we don't believe that God created the heaven and the earth in six days, then how then can God have power to raise Jesus Christ from the dead who was dead and no life was in him. If, if God can't speak life into existence, think about the implications. If God can't speak life into existence, then God can't rise his son from the dead. If God can't speak life into existence, if he can't just say, let it be, then neither you, he cannot raise you from the dead. You cannot be born again. If God can't just say it, then Jesus can't heal the centurion's servant's son. Do you see the implications of this? If, if, if Jesus can't say, thou art healed of your leprosy, if he just can't say it, what does that mean? If Jesus can't walk on, if Jesus didn't create the universe, then who was the one walking on the water? Who was the one that the, the disciples were even shocked that even the winds and the seas obey him? Why do they obey him? Because Jesus said all things were made by him and for him and there's not anything made that was made that is except by him. And Colossians chapter 1 teaches without a shadow of a doubt this clear, concrete statement that by him all things consist. If God can't say let there be water, then who is this one walking on water and just says peace be still? If, if, if God didn't create the universe by His spoken word, then we can begin to what? Doubt everything about Jesus, about God's word, about God's power in your life, about your literal resurrection, about your spiritual resurrection, about your new birth, and our, our confidence begins to wane when we pray and we struggle and we need His help because He ceases to be a creator God. And let me also insert here, whether or not you believe he is doesn't negate the fact that he is the creator God. Amen? Atheism is only a temporary condition. You know that, don't you? Being agnostic is just temporary. Because one of these days, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? So it's a temporary condition. But if God can't create water, if God can't say to the mountains, come up 
then even this person, Jesus, the Son of God, he begins to lose his potency, don't he? Remember, the first question mark in the Bible was in Genesis chapter number 3. And it all boils down to this, don't it? Hath God really said? Hath He really said? And so really when we're dealing with creation, we're dealing with that subject. It's an attack on the Word of God. And I want to remind you, your Bible isn't a, isn't a, isn't a, isn't a collection of stories. The Bible is the Word of God, and it is the truth of God, and it is the historical truth of mankind, and it is the truth of humanity. It is true with a capital T. Amen? For us ball fans, it's the power T. It's the power T. So the Bible is clearly a six-day creation book. You see, if you, if, if you allow for the doubt to come into your mind that it took millions and millions of years between day one and two, and it took millions and millions of years between day three and four, and so on and so on, the, your confidence in the, the inerrancy of Scripture and the power of God and the power of His person begins to be watered down, and that is the point of all. That's the whole idea of the lie. Why, if I was the devil, I would make them think that some of it's true, but some of it isn't. If I was the devil, I'd get people, I'd get people lathered up under the idea that, yeah, I know it means says this, but it really means that. And look what happens. Hath God really said? Really this sermon is about this. It's about that God's Word is the Word of God. And if you deviate from what Scripture clearly teaches, it is a slippery slope that will ruin and erode the foundation of the truth of God and the truth of Scripture, and it will have eternal, damnable consequences to you, your family, your children, our church, our society. Because I want to remind you again... Romans chapter 1, Paul says, they clearly knew Him as God, but denied Him as God, and they became unthankful and worshipped the creature more than the Creator, and they became vain in their thinking, and their imagination turned wicked, and therefore God gave them up to a reprobate mind to do that which is unseemly between themselves. Why? Because they begin to doubt and deny that He is Creator God. And since He's Creator God, He's also also moral, absolute authority over morality and truth and right and wrong and sin and righteousness because He built it. And He makes the rules. And if you don't like it, create your own universe. So that's kind of silly. Because you can't. You cannot do it. You can't. You're not God. The one you look at in the mirror isn't God. He is. So I only want to prove scripturally, scripturally that the Bible... Because people say, well, the Bible isn't teaching six, uh, literal six days. 
And I want to just prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Bible is literally teaching six-day creation. And if the Bible is literally teaching six-day creation, then the Bible is literally saying God made the heavens and the earth in six days. And if you still hold to that position, I really want to corner you. I want to corner you into the position that you're at this point if you're, of your life, that you're at this position. I want you to choose whether you believe the Bible to be the Word of God or not the Word of God, because how long halt you between two opinions? If He be the Lord, then serve Him. And if He's not to you, then serve someone else. Because if you're lukewarm, He'll spew you out of His mouth. Be like, was it Moses, who's on the Lord's side? So again, I could, we can argue, and I'm contending for the faith. That's what I'm doing. I'm earnestly contending for the faith in a world that denies faith. I'm trying by God's help, by His grace and His strength, to get us to a point where there's a line in the sand and we have to either thus saith the Lord or admit to ourselves that we are calling God a liar and that the Bible isn't the Word of God and did He really mean what He said? Because when you're under the conviction, there's like three sermons going on right now. You notice when you're under the conviction that the Bible is the Word of God, that is your worldview, and you live out life through the lens of Scripture. And you follow Jesus in the way. Amen? So... The critics say, the skeptics say, the atheists say, the agnostics say, the ignorant say that God really didn't create the world in six literal days. But I just want to teach you today, Lord willing, and show you that the Bible is literally a literal six-day creation book. Number one, the Bible clearly teaches a six-day creation book because in chapter one, the word day... The word day is translated from a Hebrew word. It's, if I, Lord help me to pronounce it right, it's, it's yom. And every time the word yom is used with a number or a phrase, like in Genesis, morning and evening in verse number 5, first day. Morning and evening, verse number 8, that's the second day. 13. Morning and evening, that's the third day. Like, it's like God's doing this on purpose. And the morning and the evening. So God, Moses is writing to his people, which they fully understand, the recipients who first read the book of Genesis, written by Moses, the great prophet, they know what morning and evening means. Morning and evening means what? A day. And the word yom, that's, we get the word day from, yom from Hebrew is day, like at the last word of verse number 13. Every time the word yom in the Old Testament is attached to a number or a phrase like morning and evening, it always means an ordinary day. It always means that. Everywhere in the Old Testament, it means that. And then I thought about this question as we should think. When did days start becoming days if the days of creation were millions of years? In Genesis chapter number 5, 
when, eight, when it says Adam was 930 years old, how old was he really then if that don't really mean a day or a year or a month or a week? How old was Adam? When did we start switching from a day being millions of years, from a day being 24 hours? But every time in the Old Testament the word yom is used, attached to a number or a morning and evening phrase, it's always meaning an ordinary 24-hour day. So right from the beginning, from the original Hebrew language, the Bible is saying that's 24 hours, that's morning and evening, that's a literal day. In between verse day one and day two, the Bible from the beginning is saying what? That's a day. So it, if our hearts are against what Scripture is teaching, from the very beginning, the Bible is saying, I'm trying to tell you, that's a day. I mean what I said. A day is a day. Sounds like arguing with one of my kids. You know it? Well, I didn't really mean that. I know I said that, but that ain't what I meant. Sounds like married people, don't it? Well, that's not what I meant. Do you think that God, writing His eternal word, was come back... 5,000 years later and say, I know it says day, but really I meant millions of years. Why didn't Moses just write a long time past? Why did he use the Hebrew word yom? Do you think Moses didn't know what he was writing? Also, the Bible teaches that, G that the Word of God is a six-day creation book. Even Jesus in Mark chapter number 10 and verse number 6 Jesus says, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. What does that mean? Meaning Adam and Eve existed from the beginning. Adam and Eve existed from the beginning. Not millions and millions and millions of years. Jesus said in Mark 10, 6, literally, He said, from the beginning of creation. Adam was not the byproduct of millions and millions and millions of years. Even Jesus is saying that Adam was from the beginning. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. And if you don't believe that, it poses a serious biblical, scriptural, and theological problem. Because evolution places death before sin. But death didn't enter until after Adam sinned, remember? Adam sinned and death entered into the world. If we hold to evolution, it, it, it says that Scripture is wrong and that actually millions of years of death makes the world better. But Scripture teaches that death is the result of rebellion against God and death never makes things better. Death always corrupts. Death is corruption. Death is rot. Death is the end. Death is misery. Death is condemnation. Death is the punishment of man's transgressions. Death was not used to bring about Adam. Death is a result of Adam's transgressions. Do you see the humanistic idea of this too? That we make things better. That our brilliance and that our, our processes bring about something good. But why, as I posed before in Romans chapter 8, does the whole creation groaneth even until now, waiting for the redemption of our body? Even the earth is decaying. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. Have you noticed it? 
You still with me? The Bible clearly teaches that the that creation was a literal six days because in Exodus chapter number 20, God created a pattern for us to live by. And in Exodus chapter number 20, the Ten Commandments, God commands, He says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Verse 9 of chapter 20, Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, nor... Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy maidservant, nor thy manservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is writ within thy gates. Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is and rested on the seventh day. The six-day creation week is the basis for the fourth commandment of God. It's the basis for it. Creation established a pattern, didn't it? Monday don't take a million years between it and Tuesday. Thursday don't take a billion years to get to Friday. You see how simple this is? God says, I want you all to live like I did. I want you all to work six days like I did, and on the seventh day, I want you to rest. I want your life to be a pattern of my creative work. I'm glad Mondays don't last 10 million years, don't you? <laughs> if you all who are retired, you remember, you pray for us on Sunday night, we got to go right back in there the next day. I'm glad them Mondays are only 24 hours, and I think they're too long, don't you? Is the Bible a six-day book? What, what's the point of all this? Listen, I don't want you to get confused. I'm not just so much trying to get you to understand that creation is a six-day, six-day creative work, which I, I am, and I care about that. But the point is, is that if we can't believe Scripture, then all these verses are wrong too. You see the problem? You see what happens when we don't assert and proclaim that every single thing in this book is the word of the living God. You see what happens? Watch how cool this is. I think I've shared this with you before. I'm about through. Atheist, in the time of Galileo, we'll pick him for example. Let's start with him. Galileo looked through his telescope and he said there's like 1,400 some stars. That's how many he counted. He said there's that many stars. Before Galileo ever existed, the Bible said that the stars are without number. You know what scientists are saying today? We can't count them all. We can't count them all. Just believe the Word of God. Amen? In the Old Testament, God said, I want you all to wash your hands. If you handle some dead person, especially if they're sick, if there's leprosy, you burn the whole thing down. You think they had any idea about communicable diseases? Do you know that it wasn't until after the Civil War that we finally discovered, yeah, you better wash your hands... And the surgeon better clean himself before he works on you and goes to the next person. And God, from the beginning, was saying, hey, don't be handling dirty stuff. And you wash your hands before you eat. And clean your feet. Some clean your feet, amen? You against that? Everybody wash their feet and your hands, amen? Just believe the word of God, Amen?
you can believe it. You can trust in it. They say, oh, Jesus didn't raise from the dead. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe he rose from the dead through personal experience. Amen? I believe he rose from the dead historically. I believe he rose from the dead biblically. I believe he rose from the dead logically. And you know what? I feel sorry for other people who deny he rose from the dead. I think they're holding foolish position. I think that's crazy. Based on the evidence. Based on the evidence. You can take the word of God to the grave. You can rest your soul upon it. You can enter into everlasting life and forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Was it, I think, Billy Graham who said, if it was written the other way that Jonah swallowed the fish, I'd believe that too, amen? I read a while back that a whale or a big old fish swallowed a diver. I thought, I knew that could happen. I knew that could happen. I already read that it could happen, amen? Hey, little kids, listen to me. Everything you believe in Scripture, the Holy Bible is the truth. Everything is the truth. You can count on it. You can rest on it. You can live by it. You can grow by it. You can die by it. Amen? It's the truth. You know why people don't want the Bible to be the Word of God? Number one, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 7, is that the carnal mind is enmity against God, that your natural mind resists the Word of God. You must be born again. And how do I know that I know Him? I keep His commandments according to 1 John chapter number 1. You see? Your natural mind resists the Word of God. And I want you to do a little test. If you spend your days always resisting and contradicting and fighting against, thus saith the Lord, you have a natural mind, you don't have the mind of Jesus, and you better do some sincere checking whether or not you know Him to be your Lord and your Savior. Because in the beginning was the Word, wasn't it? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, amen? And the Word became what? Flesh, and He dwelt among us. And He proved that because only God can make the wind stop blowing. See? See? You know why people don't believe the Word of God? Not only, number one, is their carnal mind is enmity. It means an enemy against God. Number two, people impose their own biases upon the Word of God. They view the way they live and they read Scripture that way and they impose their own ideas on what they read. You've noticed that today, haven't you? Have you seen it? Well, I don't think that's a sin because that's the way I am. That can't be wrong because that's my position. That can't be true because that's not what I believe. That can't be what God means because that's not what I mean. You see how it works? Number three, you know why people are resistant to the Word of God? Because the Word of God embarrasses them. That position is an embarrassment to me. Are you embarrassed by God? Are you embarrassed by His Word? I wish they'd get me on CNN, Virginia, and they'd ask me, do you believe that God made the heavens and the earth in six days? I'd say, yes. You laugh all you want to. Amen? Just laugh it up. Do you believe that's a sin? Yes. If Scripture says it is, it is. Amen? It is. Is the Bible the Word of the living God? Is it truth? I'm not here to entertain you, amen? I'm not, I can't do it. I won't do it because it'd be wrong. Is the Bible the Word of the living God? Yes. It is. It is. 
I believe every word of it. Every single comma, period, question mark, and explanation point. I believe it all. Things I ain't figured out yet, I just say I ain't figured it out yet. I'm not going to deny it's true. Things I still have questions about, I do. I got a lot of questions. I ran across a man one time, he said, I know my Bible. I was thinking, wow, what a bold statement, because I'm still learning my Bible. Amen? You know, we should say, my Bible knows me. That'd be more correct, wouldn't it? My Bible knows everything about me. Amen? My Bible knows me. This morning, as we get a song together and prepared, it is important as a Christian that we hold to the conviction that the Bible is the Word of God. It is. Now what we've done is we, we've, we've, done a, we've, done a, we've done a biblical study. Some would say this, well, sometimes the Bible speaks in figurative language. Yes, it does, like the book of Song of Solomon, when he was describing how good-looking she was. Remember, he said, her teeth are like evenly shorn sheep. You know what he's saying? She has pretty teeth. That's what he's saying. Yes, absolutely, that's figurative language. Some would say, well, what about Genesis chapter 1? Is that figurative language? You know, we can almost hold to that theory if Exodus 20 wasn't there. If Mark chapter 10 verse 6 wasn't there. If the Hebrew word day wasn't there, that meant a literal day. But what is the Bible saying? Here's what I said. I'm supporting what I said. I'm bringing more evidence to what I said. Jesus comes along later, the Son of God. He's also reaffirming what I said. Then what happens? We're developing a biblical conviction. And we can then say, I believe what Jesus said. Now how can you believe what Jesus said? Because I believe anybody who said they were going to die and arise from the dead and then arose from the dead, I believe everything he said. Everything he said. If someone says and does that, then I'm with him, ain't you? I'm with him. How many journalist articles have been retracted in your lifetime? You ever seen that? How many newspaper corrections have been made in your lifetime? How many times have you heard this? Well, scientists used to believe this, but now they believe this. I'm not talking about real science. That's cool. I'm talking about the realm of theory being posed as absolute truth. How many times in your life have you heard that? Well, scientists have now come to understand. It's completely different than what they said in 1970. You know what? God's Word is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. Amen? There really are that many stars. I guess the Bible was right. The Bible even talks about amazing things, that He inhabiteth the circle of the earth way before they ever understood that concept. Isaiah 40. This right here is the truth. Is the truth. Amen? You, you got it. Amen? You trust in it. Amen. All right, let's stand to our feet. What song are we going to sing? 137. Page 137.